Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 123 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hello. This time, we read The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty by Anne Rice under the pseudonym A.N. Rocolard. This was initially published in 1983 by an imprint of Penguin Random House. TBC listener Anne reached out to us on Twitter earlier this year about this series, and we thought a dark take on a common fairy tale might be good for this spooky time of year. Wait, wait Anne. It was Anne Rice just trying to get more airtime, oh, wasn't God it? God damn it. God damn it, Anne Rice. winked again. Anne Rice, you had the whole of the 90s, some of the early <laughs> 2000s even. You know what? Out. Out you go. Out. <laughs> Don't do this. And I know you like to be ordered around, so get out. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> All right. Um, if this is your first time listening to the Terrible Book Club, what we do on this show is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Sometimes, like today, we read books that our listeners, patrons, or friends recommend. So we typically do the opposite of what most people do when they're browsing and looking for something to read in a bookstore or on the internet. And most of the time, this experiment results in a hilariously disappointing read, although, you know, once in a while, we do end up liking the book. Whoa, big content warnings today. Okay, these content warnings are big coming with... flashing <laughs> sirens. I'm, sirens. As an audio editing, I am putting the loudest fucking sounds I can here <laughs> just to make sure your attention is here. Because, boy. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm going to say that, like, if, if... All right. Chris, drop the papers. Okay, all right. Uh, consent forms. Okay, okay. All right, you... All right, okay. Read the consent form, and when, when you're ready, you can go ahead and sign... If you're not yeah, asking you to consent first, if out, you're not, which is the nice thing to do. <laughs> Very important thing. Uh, if you're not interested in hearing about the following topics, do don't listen to the rest of this episode. Please find do not, one of the other 122 not. episodes available. <laughs> um, it's fine if you skip this one. All right. Today's content warnings are BDSM, so that's bondage, dominance, sadomasochism, enslavement rape, sexual torture, and uh, pedophilia slash ephibophilia. So um, if you don't want to talk about those, if you don't want to hear about that stuff, don't listen to this fucking episode. I'm going to yeah, say it again. Run away. Fast. The- Immediately. <laughs> slam that stop button right now. Close the app. Yeah, Delete the, the episode. It's literally, it's not possible to discuss this book without talking about all of those topics in unfortunately graphic detail. So again, if this is not your jam... Turn away. <laughs> All right. All right. You've been warned. You've signed the consent forms. I have your consent in blood. So let's let's get this going. 
All right, Chris, you want to read the, the back of the book summary here? Yes. From best-selling author Anne Rice, writing as A.N. Rucolor, in the traditional folktale of Sleeping Beauty, the spell cast upon the lovely young princess and everyone in her castle can only be broken by the kiss of a prince. It is an ancient story, one that originally emerged from and still deeply disturbs the mind's unconscious. Now, Anne Rice's retelling of the beauty story probes the unspoken implications of this lush, suggestive tale by exploring its undeniable connection to sexual desire. Here, the prince reawakens beauty not with a kiss, but with sexual initiation. That's a nice way to put that. <clears throat> His reward for ending the hundred years of enchantment is beauty's complete and total enslavement to him. As Anne Rice explores the world of erotic yearning and fantasy in a classic that becomes, with her skillful pen, a compelling experience. All right. Yeah, about that. Yeah, all right. So that's, you know, that's what's that's what is advertised on the tin. Um our characters and setting uh so our characters are of course Beauty of the titular Sleeping Beauty. We have Prince, Queen, Alexi, and then various lords and ladies such as Lord Gerald, Lady Juliana, etc. The setting is just a nondescript medieval fantasy world, you know, so whatever you think that is i'm gonna read the summary um chris do you want to read the summary actually because i'm gonna say a thing after the summary okay so there's this prince and he makes his way to the castle of beauty which has fallen under a sleep spell uh he rapes her which awakens her and the rest of the castle for some reason and immediately claims her as his forbidding her from wearing clothing and informing her parents his vassals that she is being taken to his castle as part of some arrangement all lords have with the prince's family beauty is taken on a journey to the castle completely naked the whole time and initiated into the prince's megadom bdsm lifestyle in which he treats her as his property and allows others to use her as he sees fit when they arrive at the castle, Beauty finds that there are many princes and princesses who are under this system, and the whole castle seems to be built around spanking and BDSM activities. Beauty is humiliated, spanked, assaulted, while also being cleaned and oiled from time to time. She is introduced to other members of the court in various stations within the castle, most notably Prince Alexei, another boy toy who takes a liking to her and she to him. Beauty is made to run along the bridle path, B-R-I-D-L-E, a soft gravel road on the grounds of the castle while wearing horse-esque leather clothing and accessories and being constantly spanked by nobility on horseback. She is also made to service the queen herself, who seems to be in charge of this whole business. The evening after this, Prince Alexei visits her in secret. They fuck. Alexei has his own horribly traumatic tale of how he came to be at the castle, although at this point he has grown to somehow enjoy his predicaments. The next morning, Beauty attempts to run away, is immediately captured, and is sent to the village, where the non-nobility can have their way with her, presumably. To be continued? Yeah, this is uh, book one in a four-book series. <clears throat> All right, so... Before we get too far into the episode and before we talk about things we liked and didn't like about the book, I just want to say two things. The first is that 
if the forward of this book literally just had a few lines that said something like, hey, this is a BDSM fantasy involving age play, pony play, and enslavement, but please know that the actual kink community utilizes consent and rules, and there was no actual rape, enslavement, or pedophilia happening, we would have had a lot less of an issue with the whole yeah. kit and caboodle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forward here really does a disservice to the whole book here. Yeah. Anne Rice was firmly up her own butthole. Yeah. So instead, the forward is is used by the author to sort of grandstand and kind of push back against people who yucked her yums. And I just, I just really think she needed a more, you know, instead of spending 15 pages or whatever talking about how feminist and great she is, just would have been nice for her to say, hey, you know, in the actual kink community, like this is how, you know, consent is a thing. I'm, you know, this, this isn't what I'm, this is all supposed to be, uh, like I said, you know, no one's actually 15. It's age play. No one's, you know, it's, it's pony play or whatever, you know. Um, but there is, there's no guardrails put on it. So I, <laughs> so that's kind of the issue, the main issue we have. Um, and secondly, you know, this review is going to be from the perspective of two people, Chris and I, who are outside of the kink community, who are critiquing this as a piece of literature in the larger media and cultural landscape, because this isn't just a book that, you know, is just nestled away in, in kink land. You know, it's not just like a blog somewhere that, you know, you only have a special URL to see if you're into this kind of thing. It was something that was sort of published in, you know, in 83, uh, this imprint of Random House. It was kind of a lesser imprint most people people didn't even know it was Anne Rice. It was just kind of floated under the, under the waves, and then it was it suddenly resurged um, to pop or surged to popularity in the wake of Fifty Shades of Grey and blah blah blah. And it was republished a few times later on. Um, so anyway, like Chris and I want to talk about these concepts being in uh, kind of constants in literature and media at large. So if if you're like, it's not for sure. But it's very likely that you are not going to enjoy this episode if you are into some of the themes in this book because we are going to yuck some yums because we feel the yums are not being prepared responsibly. Um, And also because we feel that those yums are tied to larger things in our sociocultural landscape that that are problematic in, in real life. And... Even though in the beginning of the book, Anne tries to tell us, hey, it's just fantasy. Just just forget about everything else. It's uh, Chris and I have problems with with trying to carve a really um, like tough line there between fantasy and reality because your your fantasies are derived from reality. Uh, and a lot yes, of the fantasies and, that we are served then come back to haunt us in reality. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so that's what I. If you're into BDSM or Dom play or anything like this, where assumedly you're gaining people's consent and it is a very sort of, you know, I don't want to say structured, but, you know, everyone is on the up and up and understands the boundaries and follows those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is fine. I have zero issues with any of that. Yeah. And that's, I I think. It's not how it's presented here. Right. And that's, and I think that's, that's the thing where, uh, we're trying to get at is like we don't we're not trying to kink shame or anything um but when you know when this is just released out into the world and and people are finding it like did they i don't know i i did i did see i did do a little bit of uh a cursory kind of googling 
to see what reviews said about this. And I do feel like there are people within the kink community who are like, oh, well, it's obviously fantasy because it's in a fantasy world. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, a lot of things are written in a fantasy world. And I don't know that that always clues readers into what's really going on here. I mean, if you're anyway, anyway, or even what is responsible to behave like in the real world. There's yeah. nothing here that says like, hey, you shouldn't actually enslave people and say that you can never wear clothes again for the rest of you, you know, <laughs> yeah. your service to yeah. me here. That, you know, you mm, there's a line here. Also, I guess this is a point I can make now because it really encapsulates my whole yucking of this whole thing. When you're making it a point to tell me every other page or minimally every third page how your main character beauty is in tears crying for most of this book. I can't get on board with that. Yeah. And I get that, you know, that's, that's what some people are into, but again, it's, it's like couched in a greater setting of enjoyment, right? Where, yes. Which we're not getting, <laughs> Yes, which is why it's hard for us. So again, Sorry for anyone who is, is I don't know, upset that we're not into this or whatever, but I, I think that we do have to critique this from a slightly different angle because, I don't know, we're like, neither of us are into it. And and book reviews are our opinions and our experience of a book. Oh, yeah. So, Let's not litigate this fucking, like, sorry. book reviews have to be objective shit. No, art reviews are subjective. There's no such thing as an objective <laughs> art review. Can you imagine? Stop it. The painting was 12 inches by 18 inches. It included the colors <laughs> was blue. teal, ochre, red, and black. Uh, it was painted in 17 hours, and it had the following shapes uh, in these areas of the painting. And it was in this style. That's my review of the painting. Yeah, that one. This song was three minutes and 29 seconds long. There were two guitars. <laughs> one of them had a delay effect on it. Yeah. Um, the singer said the following words. <laughs> like, that's not uh, what the fucking reviews are. Stop complaining at us because we're not objective. That's not what this is. That's not what any re media review is. Yeah. And, and secondly, I also just want to emphasize that you know, we're not always going to be right about everything in reviews. And we know that we're giving you our impressions of a book, you know, uh, after we've sometimes right after we've read it, sometimes after we've stewed for, you know, a week or so, or so, but it's our impressions. We have thought about them a little bit. We do give thought to, to what we say in our reviews, but we're not perfect. And we're, <laughs> we're going to make mistakes and be wrong sometimes. Uh, and yes. not everyone's going to agree with the way that we feel about things. And we know that. So that's anyway, cool. That's fine. There's a lot of You're preamble. You're to have a different... A lot, lot yeah. of preamble here, but I, I really just want to make sure we are being clear before we launch into this. So, um, I... I things that were good. I have zero things none. for me. Zero, none. Zero I did. Things. This was one of the worst things that I've ever had to read, Paris. I was thoroughly disgusted the whole time because of the tears. Again, it's yeah. not the Dom and sub stuff that I, that disgusts me. That is fine. I can even get down with a little bit of light versions of that sometimes. It's the tears. It's really the tears <laughs> that I don't like. I cannot stand. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I. Uh, yeah. I. I couldn't really come up with anything i liked about this um i suppose you can give your usual like technically it's fine uh there there you know what you know what there weren't 
I don't think there were any typos. I think there might have been one because I usually keep keep some track. I keep loose track. I think there was maybe one or two. So no typos. I mean, the sentences were, you know, understandable, easy to follow, written in conventional English. They flowed okay. I mean, a lot of the... Uh, that might be the only good thing I have to say. I'm, I was really straining because it's tough when you're reviewing a book that ends up just being... 100% not not for you. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard. Um, a million percent all the way not for me. Yeah. So um, I, I'm i really sorry, but we got to go right into things that were not good. I, I don't know that there's... <laughs> yes, I don't... I, I can't bring anything uh, up. Um, You know what? Okay. So so the first thing that wasn't good, but that has, has like an, an ounce of, of goodness in it, is actually the forward. So in 2012, a foreword by Anne Rice was tacked onto the book. Uh, so this this foreword didn't exist from 1983 to 2012, and then it was it was added. And the foreword, like we said earlier, could have been good if it was just very explicit about like, hey, if you're doing this for real in the kink community, like just so you know, there is consent. Blah 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 blah. Um, but like I, we already touched on this, but instead Anne just goes on this rant about like. How dare you criticize me for, you know, I'm glad to write porn. Writing porn is feminist and women should be able to write porn and enjoy porn. And like, fine, I'm not, I'm not fighting yes, with you about that, Anne. true. I'm not fighting with you about that. That's fine. That's not the issue. No, that's, that's fine. That's not the issue that not people issue. have, I think. No, and I think, I, and I don't know if she just misunderstood why people were upset um, or about the book or, or what the pushback was, right? I don't, I don't know. But she, she seems to be kind of on her high horse about freedom of speech and whatever. And you know what? And I agree with you. I think people, you know, should be able to, to write things. Um, but you know, with, with, uh, with freedom comes responsibility. And, uh, and yeah, I'm not saying that this should have like, she knows she shouldn't have the right to no. write this or publish it perhaps like, yes, by all means, I suppose. No, but it's, it's out in the world. And so we, we can consider it as a thing out in the world affecting other people. And we're allowed to critique it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but again, with freedom comes responsibility, I think. Um, so I, yeah, of course I'm not sitting here. Like I'm not, you know, we're not sitting here saying, Oh, we're anti-sex and anti-kink or whatever. But, and you know, I can read some of the forward just cause I think it is. Um, let's see. I'll just read the beginning. <clears throat> I've always loved the fairy tale Sleeping Beauty and found something erotic at its core. The prince awakens beauty with a kiss. And I thought, all right, but what if he brought a kind of liberation, an induction into a world of bizarre yet irresistible delights? It has to be remembered that within the frame of a sadomasochistic fantasy like the Beauty Trilogy, the readers are invited to identify with and enjoy the predicament of the slaves. The books aren't about literal cruelty, they're about surrender, the fun of imagining you have no choice but to enjoy sex. Beauty's slavery is delicious, sensuous, abandoned, and ultimately liberating. That is all part of the framework. And it seemed to work exquisitely with the old fairy tale. And of course, the fairy tale removes us from everyday life. It removes us from the intrusion of garish headlines, literal violence, and all the ugliness of crime. We go into a gilded dream here, luscious and engulfing, and which we're free to imagine all sorts of things. A fairy tale world indeed. So it's just a few pages of this. Um, and I, I honestly, when I read her, pref when I read this, the forward, I thought, oh, whatever. Okay. It's going to be Sleeping Beauty getting down with the prince. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe there'll be 
I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm sure the sex will be graphic, but I don't think this really sets you up for what you're actually no. getting in a few pages. No. When she's like, oh, it's a gilded fantasy away from all the garish violence and crimes. It's like, you're telling me about how she's crying all the time, Anne? Yeah, I, I just think that, sh like... The, yeah, the expectations that she's presenting, uh, you know, don't really equate to the content that you get later on. Uh, she even goes on to say, like, there's no harsh or garish violence. No one is burned or cut or hurt. No one is killed. It's just game playing, really. And I think that we're going to explain why that is is maybe too light of a description for what's actually happening. Um you know, if you're, if you're trying to prepare people for something, you should, you should be upfront about it. And I really think she dances around things or she's just become so, I don't know, maybe in her own pursuit of, of these sort of kinky delights, she's just become so desensitized that she doesn't understand that most people would, would actually consider much of this to be, uh, hurtful, like, like actual and pain, cruel, cruel and cause and be crimes and things like that. Yes. Um, she thinks this is romantic and sensuous pleasure. She uses the word gilded more than once. Um, she also talks about being a feminist and how she's supportive of equal rights for women in all walks of life. And that includes the right of every woman to write out her sexual fantasies and to read books filled with sexual fantasies. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, anyhow, she thinks it's wonderful. So you're like, all right, whatever. I'm going to get Sleeping Beauty having sex with the prince. You know, you, I, I was woefully underprepared by that forward. I felt very taken aback when, when things started happening. It's like in three pages, I have never seen a book speed run sexual assault so fast going for the record <laughs> Yeah. in here, short of just <clears throat> writing the word rape in the first like sentence there just to put the that idea in your head, which is, I suppose, like the glitch run, the exploit there. You, if you just write that word there, you'll get to that quicker than anyone else. But it's literally, the prince enters the castle, and then he enters beauty. Yeah, so this is actually true to uh, an earlier version of the Sleeping Beauty fairy tale where, where the spell is actually broken because she is raped. So, uh, you know, that that's the one part that we use in the... <clears throat> so, Paris, I... I posited this to you when I kind of made this point to you when we were talking about this book as we read it. The Sleeping Beauty stuff here is just to have that be the imp impetus for everything, right? Like, yeah. there's no other part of the Sleeping Beauty story that is in here aside from that initial assault that happens up at the top. Mm -hmm. If you removed that, it could have been any princess and prince in any kingdom. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it it's useful here in the plot. There is not much of a plot. This is this is a a fetish wank porn. I mean, it's it's not a fairy tale, yeah. which is I think the other problem here is that we're invited into a fairy tale, but that's that's not what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I think I think uh, it serves the plot because you know rather than for example a princess who is just asleep you know, the, the rape breaks a curse over an entire kingdom that has lasted a hundred years. So beauty, if, you know, is indebted to the man who rapes her, right? Socially indebted, culturally indebted. So uh, it definitely really kicks off that enslavement real hard, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, uh, there's a whole litany of things that we find not good about this book. Some ranging from very serious to very funny, I think. So this is this is going to run the gamut. Uh, 
my my initial problem here is that the story centers around teenagers and sometimes preteens it is suggested yes so that uh-huh. touches a line that i'm not cool with like i just don't think mm-hmm. i don't think uh yeah sex if with you're young in a fantasy children world, just age them up just age them up you have two choices age them up into their 20s or something or write a very explicit forward that says hey this is age play you're supposed to be thinking that you're pretending you're pretending to be a child or whatever which you know i'm not into but i can at least understand that you know i'm not a psychiatrist but like fine i accept that people are into things that i'm not into but can we just do it responsibly like the other the other reason i have a problem with this is that we live in a society that fetishizes young people especially young women we live in a fucking rape culture like do we do we just god it just this is already the reality. <laughs> I don't like this. Is this already... whole book? This whole book is beauty. Yeah. The sixteen-year-old owes her body. Fifty. Okay, great. So she owes her body to the dominant man, who is only eighteen too, which is also because kinda... he helped her out of a jam this one time, and therefore you owe him physically for years and years and years. Yeah, and again, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it again. I get that some people are like into this whole idea as like a, I don't know, they think it's hot, but can we just think about this? Like, why is this? <laughs> can we just examine why we think this is hot? Like, is it like, because uh, to me, it feels like the dominant culture just telling you this is hot and you going, okay, I guess it is because it has to be for me. Because yeah, we talked about this in a previous episode, right? Where it's just like people not actually examining why they find it's hot. It's, I mean, part of it is the vulnerability, right? And the right. naive mm-hmm. nature of a younger person. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's difficult for me because I I think it's, uh, I think it's criminal to uh, include children in sexual activity like most people yeah. feel. Um, yeah, and like I, the law says. And I even, I am even worried about things like this, like media where it's like, oh, it's just a story, but it's like, yeah, but you're perpetuating those ideas still i just oh it's just really hard for me to get over it's really hard for me to get over again unless there's like explicit call outs but again this is just not that or even if that kind of thing is like background like oh i'm writing a historical fiction piece where marriage between very young people was a little bit more common that's just kind of like the setting that i have when it's not the centerpiece of all of the whole thing is that you're humiliating and assaulting a 15-year-old girl. Yeah, I mean, this entire book is the sexual torture of adolescents by rich weirdos. Yes. Like, that's the... Yes. And, and by other adolescents. Um, yeah, so... And I know some people are going to be like, well, they're not children, they're teenagers. And it's like, well, I don't know, man. I, again, my personal review of this book, <laughs> not cool. Um, I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's good. We already live in a society where... Uh, 15 year olds are you know raped and sexually exploited and have all these pressures on them about (laughs) being servile and things so it's it's a little tough for me to just be like oh yeah Yeah. this fun fairy tale we don't need more of this we don't need more of this yeah like this sorry Anne. this isn't a fucking gilded dream when this is my waking nightmare in the world i the reality i currently live in (laughs) yes oh um there is something curious too about the presentation of 
of the um yeah of the the sex the rape the sexual assault the word rape is only used when men are forced to have sex with other men and it's never used in scenes involving women and that was just something that i started noticing and then i went wait that can't be right but then i checked I, I really did. I did. A- it's basically only when Prince Alexi describes his initiation and in torture. No, there's also a scene where, um, what's her name? Uh, Beauty and the Prince are having, or Beauty, Alexi is made to have sex with Beauty and then the Prince is fucking Alexi at the same time and they use the word rape there. So it's only when men are having sex with other men that the word rape is used, which I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it's like a weird fucking dog whistle to rape culture where women are devalued and their experiences are considered less. And I know a lot of you are going to say, oh, parents are reading too much into this fantasy porn, but I don't care. I don't like it. And we're going to talk about why I don't like it and why it matters (laughs) to people. (laughs) Um, I gave enough of a preamble. I I really just. Yeah. Presumably you're here for our opinions on things. Yeah. It's well, and the thing is, it's not like I'm saying I'm just not into that. I'm saying I'm not into this because I actually think it's a real problem in in actual society and it it affects me as a human being (laughs) negatively. Um, Yeah, then we also have like no character has a real personality and it's really cartoonish. I mean, you know, I mean, they're all just fucking all the time. (laughs) There's no room to grow for personality. No, and and Anne seems to think here that she has written this profound intellectual piece on on finding you know joy and enslavement and abuse but she hasn't like beauty's inner monologue is actually it's not very advanced she's just kind of even in her mind's eye she's just sort of doe-eyed and going oh well i guess i can i guess i should i don't know i kind of like it so i guess it's fine it's like dude you woke up from a coma at the age of 15 a virgin like I don't know that <laughs> I don't know that you could consider you liking this when this is all you've known. Like she doesn't have any fucking clue what's going on. So there there really isn't this uh yeah, this this deep these deep thoughts. I think in the in the forward Anne actually says something like uh I also went sorry, this is Anne in the forward again. I also went all the way with exploring the mindset of sadomasochism as I saw it, letting the fantasy characters talk in depth about what they felt and what they enjoyed and what thrilled them as they were humiliated and overwhelmed. I suspect that for some readers, this kind of deep exploration of the mentality of the participants was entirely new. I gotta tell you, Anne, I did not find anything deep or interesting. And in fact, if there was more of that, it it, it at least would have... I would have had some paragraphs of refuge <laughs> if there was, True. you know, some kind you get of... get a little bit of that with Alexi, right? Like, he's sort of telling Beauty, like, oh, it's actually fine because you learn to kind of like it because you don't have to think about anything except pleasing these people. And that's kind of nice in a way. But that's about as far as it goes, right? Like, here's one of those scenes. Tell me, he said with authority. Well, tonight, the rose, the last little pink bud, why did I pick it up in my teeth and offer it to Lady Juliana? Why? She had been so cruel to me. You wanted to please her. She is your mistress. You are a slave. The highest thing you can do is please, so you sought to do it. And not only in response to her paddling and her commands, but in that moment of your own will. Ah, yes, said Beauty. That was it. 
And on the bridal path, how can I confess it, I felt some release in myself. As if I were no longer locked in struggle, I was just a slave, a poor, desperate slave who must strive. Strive purely. You are eloquent, he said with feeling. You know much already. But I don't want to feel this. I want to rebel in my heart. I want to steel myself against them. They torment me endlessly. My prince, were he the only one? But even if he were, he would find new ways to torment you, and he is not the only one. But tell me why you don't wish to give in to them. Well, surely you know. Didn't you rebel? Don't you? Why, Leon said of you there is a core in you which no one touches. Nonsense. I merely know and accept everything. There is no resistance. But how can it be? Beauty, you must learn it. You must accept and yield, and then you shall see everything is simple. I would not be here with you if I yielded, because the prince... Yes, you could be here with me. I adore my queen, and I am here with you. I love you both. I yield to that entirely as well as everything else, and even the knowledge I may be punished. And when I am punished, I shall dread it and suffer it and understand it and accept it. Beauty, when you accept you will flower in the pain, you will flower in your suffering. And and Beauty doesn't really have any deep thoughts. I just did not find it <laughs> intriguing at all. Um, it seemed very shallow to me, which, which also just devalued the whole thing. I, I mean... Uh, Plenty of people can write endless scenes of spankings, which, spoiler, yes. that's mostly what this book is. Beauty's inner monologue, the, the, as far as it goes, is essentially, well, I find the prince handsome, so I probably enjoy it when he does these things to me, even though I'm in tears and humiliated all the time, and that's a little bit confusing. So it's just that sort of muddled area where she's not really doing any work about it. No. She's just kind of experiencing it and going like, well, I like some parts of it, but I don't like most of it. Yeah, she basically says, oh, no, my body is responding. Therefore, I must be into this. And, oh, well, the prince is attractive. So I guess everyone's right. Like, it could be a really ugly old man, you know, who who is raping me. So... This is fine. And I don't know, those two ideas there, to me, even even in some kind of BDSM porn, are really insidious. And like, I, I, God, again, it's just, I can't stop thinking about the world that we live in, <laughs> where these things, you know, oh, your body reacted when you were raped, therefore you enjoyed it. Like, it is unfortunate it does unfortunately happen that a woman a woman may have an orgasm she you know you may have excretion of fluids um you know or whatever uh during a sexual assault and it it doesn't mean that you're enjoying it or that you deserved it or that you wanted it or any of that and the fact that that idea is nestled in here i find extremely troubling mm -hmm. i i don't i can't find a way to excuse that even if you are into you know, rape fantasies. Like it just seems extra, an extra layer of fucked upness that we didn't need. You know, as um, a little sidebar here, there was a there was a line in here about her beauty experiencing one of these you know moments of getting aroused, um, and it talks about uh, how she was wet enough that it kind of felt like someone had squeezed a grape within her, and Paris. <laughs> I mean. I, let's have a little couple of minute discussion here about like it, I feel like it's more than a grape usually, right? Like I grapes can get a little amount of fluid in there, but I feel like if I squished a grape, that would be less fluid overall. 
than when someone is enjoying it. Yeah, I'm really this, is, hairs this, is, this is one of my notes that was actually hilarious to me that I laughed out loud about because, yeah, a, a uh, what? A grape? Like a one single grape? grape? There's not a it's lot not going on much. in a single grape. Like, I, just... I feel like that's like 30 seconds to well, two minutes of foreplay tops. Like, is oh, what that is. God, I, yeah, I don't know if we'd have to come up with a unit of measurement yeah. for vaginal <laughs> like, fluid as measured by grape, squish, grape <laughs> squishes. But yeah, I, it was just a silly thing to, yeah. to put in there. I. Mm. I mean, like, come on, like, at least a peach, right? Like, yeah. At least a peach? Well, while we're while we're actually talking about some of our, our funnier notes, um, I have a note that says, uh, for how much this book disgusted me, and I actually had a hard time getting through it, like, there was something especially hilarious about one of these scenes where beauty is made to wear, um, like, bells that are, they're basically, like, uh, really... Uh, point really um painful nipple and vagina clamps with bells on them so she's got all these fucking bells clamped on her and she's she's giving this dude a blowjob and she's thinking about how good his pubes smell in in a medieval fantasy world i just was like i just thought that was really funny i mean i guess they, they do actually have a lot of grooming rituals and stuff mentioned in the book um but i just I don't know. I hate to say I laughed, but I did because uh, it's kind of yeah, funny. The, uh, pubes I, smell and, isn't what I'm really going for all the time. Like specifically I, the pubes, right? Not like the stuff that is nestled within the pubes, which right. is what you're probably right. going to be into the smell of a little bit more. It's the, the hair itself. Yeah, I just I thought that was just an unfortunate point where I laughed really hard. Um, oh... Yeah, um, I will say, like, you know, for all the ugliness of this book, you know, it, it, ends actually, it actually ends up being boring, which is an right. odd, it's a really odd yeah. um, feelings it, to have simultaneously, because, like, it's basically 80% spanking, and there's honestly... There's a spank at least a page, right? Like, uh, minimally, yeah. you're getting a spank per page. Yeah, and I feel like even if you are into kink stuff, like... It, that much spanking seems boring. Like, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I maybe, get, I'm, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm Again, we're outside of this realm. Yeah. Maybe you really do want that much fucking spanking in there. Yeah. But even then, like, also, there's, like, a lot of paddles in here, right, Paris? There's, like, a <laughs> lot of paddles in the yes. castle. Yes. There's a lot of them. There's, me- like, the. I feel like it's, like, my house and guitar picks. Like, they're just everywhere, <laughs> all over the floor. Yes. All the time in the laundry chutes, just showing up everywhere. Who dropped their paddle in here? Why don't we get like a segment about like the royal paddle smith or like the cock statue artisan, like the guy that has to make <laughs> yeah. all like the Baphomet statues with dicks coming off that you're like impaling people upon? It's like, yeah. oh great, another fucking dick statue. Great, I get it. Okay, I guess it's a steady paycheck, Miss Queen. Man, I just fucking repaired that one alexi stop i told you fuck one of the other cocks on the statue i just repaired that one now it's broken again do you know how long it takes me down and then i gotta get spanked because it's broken even though i didn't do it because we live in this fucking nightmare (laughs) (laughs) yeah i yeah it it, that would have been at least funny uh uh what was i gonna say oh yeah there's also in talking about, you know, the writing, we were just talking about how, wow, it's a fucking lot of spanking. Um, there's also just literally like 70 pages that could probably have been cut from this because it's just 
this most, I don't know. And I may be exaggerating. It, it certainly felt like 70 pages. It's this long ass Alexi monologue where Alexi and beauty kind of sneak away together for one night, you know, to, to have regular fucking on their own, you know, that they actually want to do together. And he, like Chris was saying earlier, he tells her how, uh, how he at first was really rebellious and terrified and hated it, but then kind of had his spirit broken slash, uh, was reborn through, you know, reborn and found happiness in slavery. But it's, it's literally just him saying, they put me in the kitchen and then I was raped on a barrel and then I was raped on another barrel and then I was raped on the barrel again. And then everyone raped me in the garden. And then it's just page after page. And and the thing is, I, I feel like it doesn't really even, I mean, mercifully, it doesn't get into much detail. So I don't really know how much wank material this is, even if you are into this when it's just, and then he got raped again. And then he was raped on the barrel. And then he was in the garden on the barrel. And then he was in the garbage in the barrel. And then it was just, I, it's just real. Right. Like that. What, if you're finding anything hot about that, it's literally the assault portion of it. Right. Well, it's the humiliation part, but it, but it doesn't really go into great detail. So I just wonder if it's really even serving the people who want this for, you know, for the, the sexiness of it that they find, it didn't seem like it was really doing that well. Um, you know, there's also certain terminology that's a little old fashioned. And I suppose that's because she's trying to keep it in fairy tale territory. So there's a lot of like buttocks and, and I don't know, not testicles, but, um, they switched to penis and balls like during Alexi's portion too, which makes which made it feel weird to me when yeah. they were using like other terms for it before. There was a lot of manhoods and, and whatnot yeah, there. Yeah. But then all of a sudden Alexi's like, and then he shaved my penis and balls. Yeah. Like, oh, so the, that's the, direct. the terms are a little I, I feel like it's a, it can be a little distracting. Uh but I don't know, maybe maybe that's maybe that works. I don't that's know. That's a minor quibble amongst all the rest of the forest <laughs> of shit that yeah. we're yeah. Trekking through here, so that's fine, ultimately. Yeah. Um oh, what else is I going to say? Uh anyway, before we get into the last part, which I think is gonna be more more fun, because we're gonna we're gonna get into like our <laughs> sort of silly, funnier notes. Um, I do wanna say I, I worry that this book kind of being out there without an explicit statement at the beginning actually kind of smears the kink community because if people like us pick this up you know if we weren't at least you know wise to the existence of the kink community and you know the basics of consent i feel like you know people that are into this kind of fantasy stuff definitely get um typecast as being you know bad people and criminals and stuff and unfortunately i think because it doesn't have that explicit warning at the beginning like it it could lead people it it could i guess uh add fuel to the fire of a negative stereotype that is not correct you know people in the community are mostly mostly fine <laughs> like they're just yeah i have a couple of friends that engage in that area sometimes and the explicit and enthusiastic consent aspect of it is a huge aspect of it it is a necessary aspect of it yeah uh, yeah um i have some some comments later about how that could have been integrated without ruining the fairy tale which would have made this better but um 
you know, we'll, we'll get that to the end. For now, let's move to the practical questions Chris and yeah, I have about this, this, <laughs> this wonderful story. Um, yeah, so like, how, how does this kingdom function when everyone is consumed by sex all the time? It must cost a lot of money, take considerable time to manage this whole thing. It just doesn't seem feasible. I understand that their major import is, is sex slaves on like a timed contract, but what is their major export? It doesn't seem to be sex slaves or anything. What is your economy? Who is managing your other affairs as a kingdom? I just, I don't the, understand. The upper crust nobility, the upper management is just doing this BDSM fuck play all the time. Mm -hmm. So who Literally is constantly. constantly. Yeah, literally all the time. There, There's like, there must be some royal accountant somewhere who is like pouring over, like, because I'm assuming this is a spank-based economy, right? <laughs> Paris, like, that's the only thing that's literally propelling everything forward. So there's well, just some Chris, account, there's like. If we believe in the spank-based economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to have intrinsic trust in it. Spoiler alert for the next episode over here. <laughs> we pre recorded over here. But like, I'm assuming there's got to be some like royal spank accountant like sweating and wiping his brows. Like, okay, well, we were, there were a thousand spanks given out the other day, but where are they coming from? No one is admitting that they did the spanking. And therefore, who is in charge of those spanks at that moment? I need to track this down. <laughs> or what if like, what if there's there's some guy at a ledger being like, oh my god, we are way over the paddle budget this month. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, somebody's gonna tell the queen. How are we gonna tell her? Half of, they're all like, half of them are gold and shit. Like, yeah, they're really like a regular paddles. plain paddle. <laughs> I mean, there's Royal even a point. Like, you gotta stop with the guild. It just like, I'm, like you're running through a hundred golden paddles every week. They're, the handles are cracking off. It's a brittle material. At least use something more sturdy, please. God, there's just so many accessories around and like implements. <laughs> it's just God, the oil it's... budget alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the oil and honey budgets because they also put honey on your, your uh, genitals to attract bugs because they definitely don't want to hurt you or anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay but also there's like the the portion there was a portion a scene where oil was applied <laughs> to the pussy and i gotta say i paris what do you think what's the right oil to pair with pussy well i think the right oil is no oil because it would upset the ph of your vagina which is why you're not <laughs> okay, supposed to yeah, use fucking to. douches and but stuff if, but, but if you had to uh i mean i would I would definitely, like, no savory oils. Like, I don't think anyone wants yeah. their, like, a savory vagina. That's a little weird. Yeah, um, definitely no on the chili oil, right? Like, you do not. <laughs> no, no, nothing no. hot. That would be bad. No, 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 no. Maybe, like. Uh, sesame, maybe. Maybe a little bit. No, no. I went, no, something sweet or not heavily floral. Grape maybe seed. Like, no, you know what? Like, maybe an oil that smelled like fresh cut grass. That seems pleasant. Okay, you know. I suppose. I, I was going to argue, honestly, like, you probably do want a very neutral kind of thing because that area is already very scented, perhaps, and, like, <laughs> adding another element into the mix probably will just upset. Yeah, yeah, the, you got to get those know, scent layers right. You know, what's your top yeah. note? What's your, <laughs> what's your bottom note? You don't want, like, that olive oil in there and then you just have <laughs> Italian pussy. Oh, uh, well, that's really greasy. That wouldn't be good. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm going to say it'd have to be like a jojoba or an almond oil with a light scent to it. Just because, you know, it's going to go in easily. You don't want olive oil just hanging out on your fucking skin. Yeah. yeah. Uh -uh. But anyway, don't put fuck, don't put oil on your pussy. I don't know what Anne Rice is fucking smoking yeah. here. Like, don't, don't put oil on your pussy or in your pussy, rather. Um, 
Oh man. I mean, this, this place is so, they're so into the pain element that even their blankets hurt. There's a scene where beauty is, is beauty is uh, sitting on the prince's bed and the blanket is bejeweled. And it's so heavily bejeweled that it's like spiky. And she's like, ow, even the blanket hurts. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. Like, this is I'm trying to sleep here. Every time I toss and turn, I'm dragging like diamonds across my skin (laughs) and like cutting it so I I wake up. I think it's just on the the top layer. But still, yeah, I mean. I don't want any layers of any hurry, (laughs) anything, or any blanket that I'm sleeping on. Oh, I know. Um, Yeah, and like this whole, this whole concept that all the other vassal kingdoms owe them sex slaves for a certain period of time. Like all the nobility of the lesser kingdoms have to send their, I don't know how many, but eight princes and princesses of a varying number um, to this kingdom to be broken in essentially for a number of years. And I guess the lengths of the contracts all differ. There's really no reasoning given for why the fuck this kingdom has all this power. Like, what do they wield? Nuclear weapons? Like, if it's anything short of that, how has anyone <laughs> let this continue? Don't There's be- got to be some, like, Maradonia-style magic nuclear wand or something that yeah. they can just point at a kingdom and say goodbye, kingdom, or something. Because, like, elsewise, why would you do this? There's some lines about, like, oh, well, they returned with wisdom and better for it. And I'm like, what fucking wisdom are you gaining here? Is it maybe to, like, you know, make sure nobility aren't too haughty or something? If that's the case, is the queen and the prince, or were they part of this arrangement sometime before? It doesn't seem like it. It just seems like they're at the top all the time, and they never have to participate in that portion of it. Therefore, why, you know, that kind of is very hypocritical and goes against your whole, if I'm presuming the idea here is to make it so that the nobility aren't too, you know, haughty about their station or something like that. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I, yeah. It's just it's hard to imagine. I mean, it's just it's so silly and absurd that I I don't really know how anyone could really. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. Um, this place would also like the other thing is they they never address like pregnancies that might result or I don't know the fact that this place would be probably a fucking breeding ground for the newest and constantly evolving STIs. Like what? They don't have doctors. I mean, they're fucking omega chlamydia over here in Paris. They got yeah. And power gonorrhea. <laughs> They're gonna have to call in the fucking medieval Power Rangers to deal with this shit. Like this is this is a rough time. Paris, the fucking Super Saiyan clap up in here. It's gone to <laughs> Super Saiyan Rose, which oh. is a thing in Dragon Ball Z. I don't know if you knew that, no, but Super I Saiyan Rose is the thing. Oh which no! Which I found out recently. Um, that's yeah, that's the particular strain uh, infecting this kingdom. Oh god, yeah, but like. No protection, no yeah. like talk of birth control. No, I mean it's a medieval fantasy world, but even in even in earlier periods of history, you know, not this is really history. This is, you know, <laughs> but you know, if you're if you're the historical tale of, of Foxylvania. Yeah. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> um, yeah, I I I mean, you know. Anyway, there's just no care given to that. There isn't even an explanation of, of mad. There's no magic in this at all. Yeah, if it's going to be a fairy tale, at least throw me like, and then the magic fairy hit me with the no babies wand. Or dude, just honestly, just, hey, we use this elixir. It's got this plant in it. You know, like that stuff that used to be in Rome that we unfortunately yeah. used all of until, what was it called? So, ah, shit. I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, there used to be an herb that 
prevented pregnancies if you took it immediately, uh, if, you, if you ingested it immediately before sex. It was used in ancient times, but uh, has unfortunately been eradicated. Like, they could, you know, that's something you could have just incorporated into the story, and it would have at least explained that away. Um, and the idea, Anne Rice's idea that no one gets hurt and that there are no injuries in this, I think it's just a lie. I mean, I, I think to her, maybe, like I said, she's become so desensitized that she doesn't understand that if you're, I'm excuse my language, but if you are raping orifices yes. <laughs> without uh, lubrication all the time, that's going to create some injuries. Um, so I, I don't know what this whole, no one's getting injured thing. And also when you're stringing people up, um, literally, you know, stringing them up as though they were not, not quite crucified, but sort of, uh, with all their limbs tied up outside in the elements or on a bedpost for an entire day, days, you know, I mean that, that will actually produce injuries. I, I don't really understand this whole, no one's getting hurt. Here's a relatively mild example of that. And on the landing was a stone statue that frightened beauty. It was a pagan god of some sort with an erect phallus. It was onto this phallus that Prince Alexei was now thrust, his legs bound apart on the pedestal of the statue. His head was laid back on the statue's shoulder. He gave another moan as the phallus impaled him, and then he lay still as Squire Felix bound his hands behind his back. The statue's right arm was upraised, the stone fingers of the hand forming a circle as if they had once clasped a knife or some other instrument. And now the squire carefully positioned Prince Alexei's head on the shoulder of the statue beneath that hand. And through the clasped hand, he placed a leather phallus, anchoring it so that it fit into Prince Alexei's mouth. It seems now that the statue raped him both through his anus and through his mouth, and he was bound to it. And his organ, as stiff as before, lay thrust forward as the phallus of the statue was inside of him. Now you are perhaps a little more used to your Prince Alexei, said the prince softly. But this is too terrible, Beauty thought that he must spend the night in this misery. Prince Alexei's back was painfully arched, his legs bound wide apart, and the moonlight from the window behind him made a long line down his throat, his smooth chest, and his flat belly. I guess her logic is like, the, you know, skin isn't being broken and there's no, like, permanent injury. Skin is being broken, right? and there could be permanent injury based on the things yes. read about in this book. So I... I disagree with that. And I think that she could have just said something like there's no gore and disfigurement. You know, it's not, it's not that type of thing. And I would have said, okay, fine. But to really say like, no one's getting hurt is, is fucking too cutesy for what's really happening here. I'm sorry. Like, it's just, it's just absurd to say that. Yes. Um, so that, that was I mean, a they talk about like the huge welts from the spanking and I get, you know, welts go away over time, but there's like a lot of them and it's happening all the time. That can't be great for skin in the long term. Well, skin and also the things beneath your skin, like, <laughs> like your organs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, I just, I, you know, they have the, the, uh, Chris, you pointed out in your notes that the, uh, every slave has their own groom. Which, you know, they're not really a doctor. They're more of a masseuse and kind of a helper yeah. to bathe them and, you know, rub their their welts with, like, lotion. But there's no real medical treatment here. Uh, so I feel, like, I feel like if you're going to go to the lengths of having the grooms, could they at least be doctors? Like, or magicians or something? Like, something? Yeah. I don't know. It just would have helped. It, it, because we have people who are literally forced to have sex all of the fucking time like 
men have to constantly have erect penises. Women have to that constantly. That is the most baffling shit to me in the world. It's like 24-7 boner. I can't do that, dude. Well, I just don't even think the human body could actually do that without severely uh, like developing injuries, right? Because you're, you're utilizing, you're pushing all kinds of blood to that D- one There's place. a fucking warning on Viagra. It's like, if yeah. you have a boner for more than four hours, go to the doctor, please. <laughs> like, that's yeah. an issue. It just, I just don't think it would be physically possible for that reason. Um, and it's not, it's not like there, it's not like there are any implements to help with this out. They're just, they're like just like a cock ring or something, right? No, like, I, think, I think there's mention of one one time, but that's not the case for everyone. They're just, they're just whipped and beaten until their dicks are hard forever, which I just don't think is a thing that could ever happen. I mean, yeah, like the blood is going to rush to the point of injury to try to help, like, you know, heal it a little bit. So it's a little bit of splitting of resources there. Yeah, I, yeah, just the, the fantasy is taken to new heights where we don't care about biology or, you know, obviously we don't. hygiene, because if everyone's <laughs> naked all the time, Paris, there's fluids or everyone. There's got to be just like a little bit of piss all over everything, right? Oh, dude. Just... Dude, what about the janitors in this in this fucking kingdom? <laughs> like, oh, man. I, I guess, you know, job security in this world, but. Right. But like, I mean, there's got to be just a little bit of pee. And I know everyone's going to email me or like in the YouTube comments be like, well, there's technically a little bit of pee all over everything all the time. Yes, I understand. But there's a little bit more pee <laughs> in this kingdom. Yeah. I mean, we don't get any uh, snow, no water sports or anything going on at least. But yeah, I imagine. Yeah, there's a weird part where it's like, well, at least we have the privacy when we do our business. And I'm like. Why would they draw the line there if yeah, like, everything else doesn't make any sense either? If you're going for humiliation, it's weird that you draw the line there in this humiliation kingdom. Yeah, wouldn't you think that they'd be like, haha, you have to pee in her mouth and like you have to shit on her face. Like I feel like that fits right in with <laughs> right, all this, like, but yeah, Anne Rice exactly. is not into it, so she just conveniently wrote it out. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like no, they're nice about that though. No, they're nice about that. <laughs> Oh, the one thing they're nice about. Okay. Yeah, you're permanently my slave and you have to do whatever I say and do all this humiliating shit. But like, you know, I won't make you take a shit in front of me. <laughs> it's really silly. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Chris, you made a great point in the notes about like, so is it actually better to not be in the nobility so you're not in the sex slave lottery? <laughs> I was like, right, yeah. Like, technically, I would rather be the person that has no chance of whatsoever being picked for this. And so I guess that's the major advantage. Like, right, maybe that... I feel like that is kind of the point of this whole system because it's never explained why this system is in place or how it came to be or even what the true details of the system are besides, hey, you got to come and be a fuck toy. For like three to five years. Yeah, it just doesn't just doesn't make sense to me. I, I'm having a, having a hard time with this with spank based economy and this weird <laughs> fucking sex slave trade here. I mean, Paris, I could get down with like BDSM slut kingdom where everyone's fucking all the time. It's a big fantasy. If everyone was happy and smiling and into it the whole time. I'm going to say again, like I said at the top of the episode, it's the constant tears <laughs> that are a yeah. major turnoff for me. Yep. I gotta, so I got to, like you said, uh, it probably doesn't surprise anyone here, but I am a pornography consumer, right? Like, I this is a thing that I look at. 
And uh, what I don't like is when people seem to be distressed or exploited or taken advantage of. A major thing that I'm looking for is happiness and uh, smiling and consent and being clearly into the whole thing. Which is strugglingly very hard to find, actually, which is disturbing to me. Yeah, that, like, which is why I think that stuff like this is a problem yes, in greater culture. Yes, that's functionally the issue that I have with it, too. <laughs> Like, I really need you to, I, I need you to be communicating to me that you're very into what is happening here. I need that to be happening. Yeah. So maybe you could, if you could couch this in like, Beauty wasn't crying all the time and she actually found that she was into it from the get-go. Yeah, so I actually have some, I have some options that Anne Rice could have utilized to make this whole thing an, an easier, neater package. Um, so for me, we could fix it pretty easily by making everyone at least an adult and finding a way to incorporate consent. So, you know, if you didn't want to write a preamble about, hey, this is a, a kink-wank story, FYI, in the real world, the kink community utilizes consent, you could have just made everyone in their 20s or 30s or something or 40s or 50s or God fucking just just keep the, keep the kids out of it. Um Secondly, I think there were ways that you could have incorporated consent. So, um, I mean, you know, we could, okay, okay. Here's, here's some ideas about how this, you know, how this could have been done. Let's say beauty has a fucking diary next to her bed and the prince reads it. When he gets in there and he's like, oh, wow, she really wanted to be, she was really, I don't know, it could have been like, I dream of a prince who will wake me with passion and take my innocence, like, and then the fucking ink trails off, like, I don't know, I mean, you could have at least, even something as silly as that would have at least given you some idea that beauty might have been into this. Um, This also is one of the only scenarios where I would accept the dream clause where and yes. and then this is what she dreamed while she was asleep under her curse and it was it you know it felt a living nightmare but then the real prince wakes her up with i don't know a fucking shoulder shake a kiss on the forehead and some waffles like i i don't you know at least then you're still you're still getting the fantasy out there but oh it was all a dream i mean it is lazy but at this point i'm grasping for anything that could have made this okay um it, you know it also could have been more compelling if Sure. Okay. Look, I'm going to say I, I get that you're, you know, you're looking for this rape simulation here. So even if it does start that way, this could have been, I, I could understand how it could have been better if we focused on beauty and the princes and the prince developing their relationship. If the prince wasn't an awful fucking person. And if we were like inside their minds while they're developing the romantic and sexual desires with one another and kind of figuring out they like BDSM stuff together that would have been fine. Like, I I, I don't know yeah. why we had to do... Like, they keep <sighs> role-playing the time that he woke her up, right? Like, they keep coming back to that over time. Yeah, or whatever. Instead of the whole fucking castle being ensconced in all this. Well, and the, the, the other problem I have about the this whole society based on the sexual torture and enslavement, it just makes it unbelievable and laughable rather than hot. You know, and, and, and Anne Rice touts this this book as being an achievement because every page is hot. You know, she's like, women used to have to read these, these 
these women's romances, these bodice for person stuff where they had to bookmark the hot pages. And she's like, no, every page is hot. And it's like, I don't know, Anne, when they're like, and then we strung up the 10th princess and covered her genitals in honey. And then we laughed at her. And then they brought in a, we had a big feast underneath her honey vagina. Like, I don't know. It just seems silly. It doesn't. Honey I don't the vagina, know. The I new don't... cereal for posts. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know if we're really honey bug vagina. I suppose I don't know if we're hitting that point. But then again, look, I get that some people think this is wonderful. It's just not for me. Much like many of the other books we've read on this show, and I think it mm-hmm. has some elements that are problematic when allowed to just run free in the literary and media media world at large. You know, outside of the the kink community for for whom this is written. Um. I don't know. It, it just, it feels irresponsible to us as outsiders. And I know others are going to feel differently, but yeah, I don't know. Just, just a big old, not for me sticker, just bloop, slapped right on top of there. Mm-hmm. Paris, how about I close it off with a little passage from the book? <laughs> so people okay. Can... Wow. Chris is brave. Chris, actually, I really appreciate you doing this. Cause I, I, yeah. yeah what page are you don't on? Do th- what page um, are you on? I am on page sixty-one because I just let my finger fall where oh, it may. Oh, that's that's a that's that's fun. All right, I'm just want to follow along here. <clears throat> All right, go ahead. Beauty was now alone with the prince, and the prince was sitting quietly by the fire, looking at her. She was in a great state of agitation. She knew she was blushing as always, and that her breasts were heaving slightly. She rushed forward quite suddenly and pressed her lips to the prince's boot, and it seemed to move as if it, as if it welcomed her kiss. Rising slightly as over and over again she kissed it. She was moaning, oh, if only he'd give her permission to speak. And when she thought of her fascination with the punished prince, she blushed all the more. That's a different prince. But her prince had risen. He took her wrist and lifted her and drawing her hands behind her back so that he held them firmly, he spanked both her breasts hard until she cried out, feeling the heavy flesh sway and the sting of his hands on her nipples. Am I angry with you, or am I not? He asked softly. She groaned, imploring him, and he placed her over his knee as she had seen the young prince over the page's knee, and with his bare hand he gave her a smart torrent of blows that had her crying aloud in an instant. To whom do you belong? He demanded in a low but angry voice. To you, my prince, completely, she cried out. It was dreadful. And then, suddenly unable to control herself, she said, Please, please, my prince, not in anger, no. But instantly his left hand clamped over her mouth and she felt another terrible torrent of hot spanks until her flesh was stinging and she couldn't control her crying. She could feel the prince's fingers against her lips, but he would hardly be satisfied with this. He had her on her feet now and by her wrist he led her to a corner of the room between the blazing fire and the curtain window. There was a high stool there made of carved wood and on this he sat while he stood her beside him. She was crying softly, but she dared not beg again, no matter what happened. He was angry, fiercely angry, and though she could endure any pain for his pleasure, this was unbearable for her. She must please him, must make him loving again, and then any pain at all would not be too much. That's the tone for this entire book. Yeah. I don't know. I just... I just have such a... I don't know. I just have such a hard time. Like, with with these ideas kind of being you know, in, in the hegemonic, you know, uh, worldview, you know, in which we are steeped. I just, I have a really hard time with, yeah, with it. I have a hard time with it all. Yeah. (sighs) 
I don't know. All right. So you've made it all the way through with us patrons. Congratulations. Yeah. You don't for... have to be spanked by us anymore. This has been an audio spanking to your brain. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. I, uh... Although we give you permission to leave at any point. Look, I think it's okay. People, different people are into different things. Just let's all be responsible about it. Let's all be responsible about it. We all want consent. Yes. Let's talk about how Please. good consent is. Yay. Yes. If you want to if you want to play at non-consent, play at it. It's not for me, but I understand as long as you're as long as you know, if there's an agreement and you're all happy about it and you're all actually enjoying yourselves, it's great. Cool. All right. All right, folks. We're gonna agree to disagree here. <laughs> right okay all um, right see you later yeah i'm just gonna wait for the like mail bombs that are gonna show up at my fucking house in a week all right um yeah at this point i think we're just gonna thank the patrons uh so yeah thanks for sticking with us through this Whew. yeah thank you patrons thanks for making uh this review possible uh mysterious twitter and i hope you are not Anne rice because if you are i'll be mad at you but um i don't know i'm not sure what you were hoping to get out of this review uh i don't i don't know if you're a fan of the book or not um but it was whoo boy it was not for us for a variety uh-huh. of reasons yeah and i honestly don't even know i mean we didn't even touch on everything because otherwise we'd be here all all night long uh we were hoping to you know i was i was <laughs> we were just really expecting something different when we picked this one up i thought it was going to be uh-huh. more of our, our classic complaints but this is just a whole other layer you know, we wanted to do something kind of ooh, spooky for for October, and then oh, it's scary. Yeah, and then it got too scary. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're trapped in this castle. Oh God. Um. Anyhow, thank you, patrons. We hope you have a lovely uh, Halloween or Samhain or whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate. Have a nice fall. Have a nice cup of tea. Have a good October coffee. is the best weather month. Enjoy. Enjoy it. Enjoy. Um. Most of all, I hope you enjoy some autumnal consent with yes. whatever activities you engage yes. in. All right. Um, thank you, Ooh, patrons. Pumpkin spice consent. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, that got me. Consent soup. Oh, <laughs> thank you. To Dari, <clears throat> Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Lynn, Sinia, Yakub, Bobby Blackcat, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Jay, Scott, Luchek, CTAP1, Miri, Yanka, David, Julius, Anya, Anonymous, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Crimson Paladin, and our first coffee or Kofi, Kofi, coffee, it's coffee, but Kofi, K-O-F-I, our first coffee donor, Lack Stotes. Uh, plus, we'd also like to thank our patron, Anya, who actually sent us a good book to assuage our pain during yes. a particularly tough season. I have it. Yeah. Um, e- so each fall, we actually pre-record all of the late November through early February episodes so that we can take a break between seasons. So it's quite the crunch period. But then, you know, we get the nice break for a couple months, which we need to s- restore our strength to read more bad yes. books next year. Um, so thanks, Anya. Anya sent us, uh, what was the book called? Something like Monday, Sunday, Sunday, Monday, something. Fuck. I forget. <laughs> yes, it's called Sunday, Monday, something. Uh, no, it was by the guy that wrote the short story that got turned into the Stalker video game series. Uh, Saturday. I have no Monday. idea what that is. I don't know what you're talking about. Stalker video game? Oh. I don't know what you mean. <clears throat> There's a video game called Stalker, which is basically like Fallout, but in Russia. 
Oh. Um, okay. Monday begins on Saturday is what it was called. <laughs> okay. Monday begins on Saturday. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to reading that over our break. And um, yeah, so thanks a lot, Anya. That was really nice of you. Um, anyhow, um, if you want to help support the show, uh, you can subscribe or watch on YouTube. You could leave a comment, like a video. Uh, you can donate to us on Patreon for extra content, or if you just want to do a one-time donation like uh, Laxotes there did, you can just find us on coffeeko-fi.com slash travelbookclub. Uh, if you want to follow us... Say, on... um, I will say it's a very generous Kofi do- donation, too. I don't get into the specific amount, but like that's a lot of coffees for us. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's public information. They can find it if they want. And that's also why we're shouting him out on the show, because it was really yeah. fucking nice, uh, especially yes. this time of year. Especially for Thank this, you. Especially for this fucking book. Good Lord. Right. Oh, um. Anyhow, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Goodreads, if you're on those platforms. Um, you know, if, if you like the show, please share it on social media. Tell someone about it. That's cool. Uh, if you like the show, if you write a review, that's really helpful. If you, you know, give us a little rating somewhere, really nice. And if you do, we'll read it on a future episode. Uh, you can contact us either through direct message on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads, or Patreon, um, or coffee. Uh, or you can send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, like I've said, uh, probably a fucking, like, 30 times in this episode, I'm sure many people are going to have problems with our opinions on this book. If you want to have, hey. a, if you want to have a, a civil, if you want to send us a civil message about it, you can go ahead and send it in. But uh, if you're going to be an of asshole, problems with our opinions and reading reviews. <laughs> we recently received a one star review. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, let's read the one star review. Oh, I love the shitty reviews. Equal opportunity one star <laughs> review readings here. We're not just reading the five star stuff yeah. here i don't know how old that i i found that it's a canadian review so i had to like dig to find it we get these little like uh sort of summaries of of our activity but they're pretty delayed so sometimes we don't see reviews for like <laughs> a while sometimes weeks or months um and once in a while international ones will just slip through that like we won't see so i've recently found one from canada uh chris go ahead what is this one star review one star from Billy Reed's books. Not great. If you actually want to know how good a book is, this isn't the podcast to listen to. The episodes can be entertaining at times, but the hosts clearly just want to tear books apart. They've decided the books are bad before even reading them, making an objective review impossible. So here's the thing. We didn't decide they were bad. We thought they were with a hypothesis, and then we tested it by reading it, and then the review... Is the experimental results. There's so. definitely been books we thought would be crap that we liked in the end. Yeah. We thought Bear would be terrible, but we kind of really were into Bear. I fucking love that book. I recommend it to people all the time. Um, right, like, there's uh, plenty of other examples. Like, even Swamplandia we thought would be pretty st- silly, but it turned yeah. out to be pretty good. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, again, so the idea of, like, an objective review, I, I don't understand what that means. Um we're There's still, no such thing when, with media critique. It's all like, subjective. Yeah, I mean, and, and of course, you know, we can consider, we try our best to consider other perspectives, but ultimately, Chris and I are going to have our own separate opinions. I mean, sometimes we even disagree on the show yeah. live. Like, I don't, I yeah. don't know what to tell you. I, I don't understand. You yeah. don't go to a reviewer for like the, this is the true opinion about this piece of work. That's not what a reviewer is supposed to be doing. They're giving you their take on it. 
And if you find yourself aligning with their tastes, you will follow that reviewer as a yeah. way to get a quick and easy opinion on something and know generally, oh, I might like this, I might I might not. Or even maybe you might find a reviewer just because you enjoy their perspective but don't agree with them. So, like, a good example for me, of course, everyone knows Anthony Fantano um, from the, the Needle Drop, where he, like, he's one of the biggest music reviewers out there. I don't agree. I agree with him, like, half of the time. But I watch some of his reviews to get because he has a pretty decent background knowledge on a lot of these genres and he can bring that perspective to things. So at least I get that out of it. Um, but I'm not there to because I have to agree with the melon all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it would be different if we reviewed things and never gave reasons as to why we feel this yes. way. Like if we were just like, oh, fucking claiming a sleeping beauty is terrible. Don't read it the end and then we didn't explain why i mean i think i think we tried to explain why i mean we do this with each book we try to give reasons like we say the writing wasn't good we're like well this is why you know there were spelling errors it was hard to understand sentences i mean i don't really i think people just get mad because they hear us not like a book that they like and then they can't get over how mad they are <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I I think, yeah, I think that's And this idea of the objective review, I will never start, st I will never stop tearing down because it's yeah. just, you cannot pr approach art critique like that. There is not the one true opinion about any piece of work. Well, I think the other, the other problem, and this is a great metaphor to use on this episode, is the fucking circle jerk culture that a lot of arts people have where like, you can only say positive things. You can't critique anyone else's shit. And this happens in heavy music too. Like God forbid you not like a new record that came out or you don't like your friend's band or something. It's like anathema. And I assume it's the same with writing too. Like, Oh no, you can't say something bad, especially if it's about a big published author like Anne Rice. How could you, how dare you not like her work? That's like, Dude, there's plenty of fucking work I don't like. Just somebody's popularity does not mean that they are inherently great. Just like the popularity of any idea or concept does not mean that it inherently has value. I <laughs> just like, yes, you can talk about, okay, something is popular. Let's analyze why it's popular. Why do people like it so much? You know what? What? And does that have value to me? Like there are just so many more levels of consideration that you have to give before <laughs> You can't just make these fucking pronouncements. Like Chris is saying, like, there's no one interpretation of a fucking book. I mean, unless you're writing really flat material with, with yeah. no, <laughs> I guess if you're like the color no red. No subtlety whatsoever. Yeah. Is, yeah, I don't know. The, like the color purple is red and blue. Yeah, I don't know if you can really have an alternate critique on that statement. I mean, as a small sidebar to this, and I know I've brought this up over time, but like we're musicians, we get critiques about our material all the time. And you kind of have to take into account that not everyone's going to like it. I've seen people like shit on Graveborn because it's like, oh, they're calling themselves like melodic deathcore. What the fuck is that? Or like they're we call ourselves death metal on some albums, but like we're not death metal enough. And like that kind of squabbling about the genre and you're like you're immediately writing it off. I saw a bad review for the latest Graveborn album, actually, that said like, this is your standard deathcore uh, trope garbage that I'm sick of. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, if you, that's how you feel, that is totally fine, even though I don't agree with that take. I feel like he listened to, like, the first two tracks that do have that kind of vibe and then tuned out for the rest of it, essentially. But I can't be sure about that, and his take is valid on that if he doesn't like that. Also, I was recently, like, watching a stream of, like, this, you know, just YouTuber just, like, critiquing songs, and, like, I submitted mine, and he did it live in front of me. 
And he liked most of it except for like one measure in my solo where he was like, that was a fucking horrible shit take on that solo, like on that one line. Why didn't you just redo it? Why didn't you just redo it? This is fucking terrible. Everything about this song is great except for that one second right there. You should have redone it. And honestly, he's fucking right because every time I listen to that solo, I listen to that one section. I was like, I should have fucking redone that. I should have yeah, like one part that's like a blemish on dude, it. Dude, that's one of those things where I, I always think that too. Like I have, I also have the tendency to be like, oh. I've done this take 25 times, whatever, it's good enough. And it's like, but if you can do it again, you probably should. <laughs> and yeah, so like yeah. that was completely, like he was completely right about that. Yeah. And now even though that album was overall better on the amount of takes that I was doing, I at a certain point you just kind of get burnt out during the day. But like that's no excuse. You should have come back and redone that one fucking second. I should have done that. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, pl plenty of people don't like my band either. Um, and many of for for many of them, the problem is that I am a woman singing in a band, and they don't like the timbre of a female voice. And honestly, like I've had that problem myself with some other bands. You know, depending on exactly what the voice sounds like, of course. And you know, when people have said that respectfully to me, I've just been like, cool. I'd I'd honestly rather like rather hear you respectfully tell me like, oh, you know, it's just not my flavor. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Thanks. You know, thanks for trying it. Um, I've had people, you know, say worse things too, and that's just going to happen. So anyway, yeah. Take it all on the nose and like, just don't get so fucking uppity about it. I was like a little upset for like a half an hour after that. Cause I was like, shit, I fucking should have done that. God damn it. But you but, weren't like, upset at him. You were upset at yourself, right? There's a difference Yeah, there. no, like he, he was absolutely yeah. has a right to say, and I wasn't even upset at that one guy who wrote the shitty review of the album. So like, this is fucking trash. Yeah. Cause and I'm not, you know, and I'm not upset at people that write one star reviews. Like, I mean, people are going to do it. That's unfortunate. You know, reviews are, are much like the rest of the Internet where people are only going to take the time if they really love something or really hated it. Right. So, you know, it's going to happen. That's why we encourage our listeners to please send us any material, any commentary that you might have, because any little bit helps. And we like to hear from you and not just feel like we're screaming out into the void here. Yeah. And as and again, as long as, you know, you, as long as you're not being an asshole about it, that please, please don't be an asshole. <laughs> and this guy wasn't an asshole. No, right? no, no. So, he like, wasn't. He, he wasn't. He's um, totally, I mean, I, mostly valid perspective, except for the bit about objective reviews and us just deciding that we don't like a book from the outset. Yeah, I think I, I think a lot of people really miss, I think, and and my guess here is that there might be some skipping through, right? So they're missing the pre, yes. the, the beginning portion where we explain the show and and talk about like why we do this and and whatever. Um, but anyway, anyway, sorry, we, we've been going on for a bit. Uh, yeah. We're actually making really great time tonight, so this is good. We did two episodes tonight, so we are very happy to be done soon. All right. Well, I mean, send in your reviews. We'll read it regardless of whether you liked us or not. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, go out there and please, you know, gain consent for whatever activity you're doing with another person. <laughs> I keep the whole end of this episode is going to be us yelling consent, consent. <laughs> no, no sex teenagers, please. We hope you consent to listening to us <laughs> next time on Terrible uh, Book Club. Yeah. Anyway, have a have a lovely autumn ween, folks, and we'll uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Oh, I. Goodbye. That's a that's a phrase, Paris. <laughs> What? I bet you're having some lovely autumn ween <laughs> lately. <laughs> no, like 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 fall and Halloween.
yeah, Paris, I know, but I'm also making the joke about Ween being dead. Oh, Jesus, I didn't even, sorry. I've become so desensitized <laughs> thanks to Anne Rice. All the humiliation book. and torture has gone over your head. Yeah, no, I'm whatever. I'm going to be eating my cereal upside down with honey on my vagina now. That's just normal to <laughs> it's me. great, cool. Everything's cool. Awesome. <laughs> All right, see you later, everyone. <laughs> Bye. recording as am i are you ready to spank sink paris <laughs> yeah i guess i guess so one two three four <laughs> that was incredible that was incredible oh uh, wow Wow, those are bigger spikes than normal, too. Yeah, we are. We're spanked in.